Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Who's ready for the word tonight? Are we ready? So we're going to have a look and uh, we've been talking about lifting the standard or, or, you know, the standard in which God wants us to live. And I believe this is that God wants us, each and every one of us to live recklessly. Well, that's something you don't normally hear. We're supposed to live conservatively. We're supposed to live well-mannered. But I, I want to say this, is as Christians, I, I believe this, is we're actually supposed to live on the edge. We're supposed to live on the edge. We're, we're actually not supposed to be timid. We're not supposed to be placid. We're actually supposed to push the line. We push the line with our faith. Is that, you know what? We walk out of this place and someone needs healing. You, you bend down and, and you look at that. If it's their leg, you know, you lay hands on their leg and you start to pray. Who knows that's not safe? Because you don't know what's going to happen. You're believing for a miracle to take place, but all of a sudden it's like, I believe God calls us to live in that, that place where, you know, that we live risky with our faith. With reckless is that, you know, I love it that God is a reckless God that loves us so much that He would send His Son to die on a cross. To me, is not conservative, is that when it comes to individuals, when it comes to the salvation of humanity, He gives His all. My question to you tonight is, do you live as though you give it all to Him or do you live in reserve? Or, or do you live just a little bit shy? And so tonight, my challenge is, is that you would see as God sees, is that you would see humanity. You would see that His heart is for the lost, that His heart is for those that are hurting, those that are broken. And I believe this is that as a church, that is how we are to live. With eyes to see as God sees. You know, you look through the parables that Jesus spoke about. He had the parable of the 99, you know, the sheep. Is that He left the 99 to go and find what? The one. He values the individuals. He values each and every person. That He would leave the flock to go and find the one. You know, the act of the cross. I say this all the time. The act, as He hung on the cross, it was an act that covered the multitudes, but was for the individuals. It was for each and every one of us. The other thing that I find is that He has the story of the widow and the lost coin. What happened? She lost her coin, one coin, but she turned the house upside down to find the lost coin. What I want to tell you tonight, friend, is this, is that Jesus is looking for the lost. Jesus has a heart for the lost. There was a time where you were lost and He came looking. He came looking. He sent someone across your path to share His love for humanity. Remember that day. Think back of that day where someone walked across your path and shared the love of Christ. Think of that day where there was a prompting in your spirit and all of a sudden you woke up and you thought to yourself, you know what, I just need to get to church. I just need to go to a church. And all of a sudden you walk through the doors of a church. You don't know why you're there. You've never been a, 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 a Christian. 
You've never been a, a church going believer, but all of a sudden you find yourself, in, there's a prompting in the Spirit. What that is, is that's Him searching for the lost. Is that it's Him calling in the lost and saying, you know what, I want you to be found with me. I want you to be found in my family. And, and Jesus, what I find is, the first point is this, is that He's all inclusive. Is that He's all inclusive. He doesn't actually care about His reputation. What I mean by this, it is for the lost, He's for the hurting, He's for the broken. He's all inclusive. There was a time where Jesus, He went to heaven and all of a sudden the disciples were disbanded to actually go and, you know, make disciples. He said, you know, I'm going and I'm going to send a helper, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to empower you to go and be my witnesses. And so all of a sudden you've got these guys that have walked with Jesus for a number of years and their assignment is to go and preach the gospel is to go and share the good news that the kingdom of heaven is here now. But there was some complications. Is that they had this perspective that the kingdom was only for Jews. They had this perspective that it was only for Jews. And so what happened was, is that they would go out and they would preach the gospel and all they preached to were the Jews. They preached to the Jews that the kingdom of heaven was now that the Messiah had come and that He died. Jesus had died. And so for them, the known world, the ones that were the children of God, because that's all they knew. And so they preached to the Jews. Until one day, Peter had to be corrected. You know what I find? Is that if you read through the Scriptures, the person that was corrected most by God and Jesus was actually Peter. And it, and it was a multiple times. There was one time where Jesus is saying, you know what, Peter, you're, you're the closest to God. God has revealed that I am His Son to you. And, and, and it's amazing because you could never have thought of this by yourself. And the next verse over, He's saying, get behind me, Satan. Peter was a bit confused. There was a time where you know, he said, you know what, in the gut, you know, I would never deny you. Jesus goes, you know what, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. He goes, you know what, I will never deny you. Then we find through the Scriptures, as Jesus is being tested, what does he do? He denies Jesus three times. And so all of a sudden, you know, he's still a beloved disciple of Jesus. And it comes to the time in the book of Acts where he's laying his head down, he's sleeping, and he's thinking he's doing the work of Jesus. And he's preaching the gospel to the Jews. And all of a sudden, God says to him, you know what, I, I want you to expand your ministry. I want you to expand it to the Gentiles. And Peter's like, no, no, this could not happen. They're not holy. They're not the, they're not the ones. Let's have a look in the book of Acts. Then he said to him, you know how it is unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God is showing me that I should not call any man common or unclean. In other words, Jesus is saying the gospel is for everyone. He corrects him. 
Peter falls asleep, has a dream. The dream is this sheet will come down three times and God says, get up and eat. And Peter goes, you know, I cannot eat anything unclean because there were certain things only Jews could eat. And these things would drop and one of those things would be a pig and he'd be like, you know what, they're unclean. And God says to him, you know what, don't call which I have cleaned unclean. In other words, I have died for everyone. I am here. I am all inclusive. The gospel is for all humanity. You know, Peter is on mission. He's to save the Jewish world. But then all of a sudden, you know, Jesus is like, you know what, here I am. You know, I find this, that everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one ever actually thinks of changing themselves. In this moment, Peter had to change himself. Peter had to think about, you know what? Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I got it wrong. You know, for many Christians, unfortunately, we have this perspective that salvation is only for certain people. Some people think that. I work with someone that has said to me for years, you know what? (laughs) Basically, that our church is just for the rich people. I'm like, what? That doesn't make sense. It's for everyone. Christianity is for everyone. The church is for everyone. It's an open door where people can come in as they are, but the Word says it don't, but God loves them enough to not leave them the way they are. And I I looked at him, I go, so what are you saying? That Christianity is only for poor people? Sometimes our perspective can limit God. Our perspective can limit God. I, I pray that we have a church that is all inclusive, that we don't limit the call of God upon our life that we don't limit the call of God around us, that we will perceive and we'll look at something and say, you know what, that God says, come on, come and join the crew. Come and join the crew. Come and be part of it. Oh yeah, but that church, that, they're just full of hypocrites. That's okay, you'll fit in well. Come, come join us. Imperfect people, helping imperfect people. Jesus was all inclusive. You know, you could see no matter where he walked, he always included those. The woman caught in adultery, dragged out. The religious leaders, the the ones there, they were like, Jesus, you know, judge her. Come on, tell us. Come on, by law, she should be stoned. What does he do? He defends her. Starts riding in the ground and all of a sudden the guys are dropping their stones, these ones that come with accusations. I love the statement that Jesus makes. Where are your accusers? Well, they're not here. I accuse you. No, go and sin no more. And this is what I love is that Jesus, you know, He's all inclusive. He says, hey, come as you are, but, but I love you enough not to leave you the way that you are. He's a God of transformation. He's a God that loves We need to understand we have an all-inclusive God, not an all-exclusive God. Who are those that you can include in your world? Who are those right now that you can engage? You know, for many of us in this room, we have, (laughs) have friends that don't believe. We have family members that don't believe. We have people that don't believe. 
if the opportunity came to share your faith or it arose, would you take it? Would you take it? Would you take it? The second thing is, is that Jesus always engaged the one. He was all inclusive, but he always engaged the one. No matter the gender, the age, the race, the creed, or social status, he would st stop whatever he was doing just to engage the one. Just to engage the one. Think about the stories. Think about the moments as you start to flick through the scriptures, as you start to flick through Matthew, Mark, the Gospels, Luke. If you start to flick through those ones, think of the stories where Jesus just stopped and he engaged the one. I love it because he always saw the one. He always engaged the one. He always went out of his way for the one. The tax collector up the tree. Jesus is crowded. There are people around him. Zacchaeus couldn't see, so he climbs the tree. He looks down just to get a glimpse of Jesus. All of a sudden, Jesus looks up at him and says, you know what, I'm coming to your house. He always engaged the one. He always engaged them where they were at. The woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus engaged her where she was at, in the time of life where she was at. You know, He seeks the one. In John chapter four, we find that story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus is heading to Judea, to Galilee, from Judea to Galilee. And what we find in Scripture is that he needed to go through Samaria. And if you start to look at maps and start to look at things, is that, you know what? <laughs> it's not on the way. It's not on the way, but the Scripture says that he needed to go to Samaria. In other words, in his heart, it was like, you know what? This is where I'm called. I, I have a divine appointment. This is what I find is that God has a divine appointment with the ones. God had a divine appointment with you at one stage in your life. You might be here tonight and walk through these doors. You're not here by happenstance. You'll be here by divine appointment. That's the way God works. It's always about divine appointment. You know, most of the Jews in Jesus' time despised the Samaritans even more than the Gentiles. They despised them even more because they thought of them in religiously speaking as half-breeds. It was like, you know, they're, they're half-breeds. They're not even worth the time of day. If there was a Samaritan and you were walking down the street, most of the time Jews would walk on the other side of the street. They never wanted to be associated with them, but all of a sudden Jesus has this prompting. It was like, you know what, I have to go. I have a divine appointment. You know, any good rabbi would walk around or cross over the street to pass a Samaritan. But Jesus makes a deliberate beeline. He stops at the well in the sixth hour. He stops at this place as this woman is drawing water from the well. 
drawing water from the well. Another thing we've got to realize here is that by tradition, a rabbi, because Jesus was a rabbi, known as a rabbi, a teacher, is that a rabbi would not speak with a woman in public. Even his own wife he wouldn't speak to. There will be those times in public that you wouldn't be caught speaking to anyone. It was also very unusual for a Jewish person of that time to ask a favor or accept a drink from a Samaritan, a cup. Jesus' requests generally surprised the woman. In the story, we find him there at the well and he asked the woman, He's breaking all the cultural norms. He is living on the edge. This is reckless. This is a reckless love. This is a reckless love. And this woman is here in this moment. He shows no partiality as he engages the one. He's like, you know, I know who you are. I know where we're at right now, but I know that you need living water. And all of a sudden, you know what, she draws, he, he engages the woman where she is. Jesus draws the woman into a conversation, making her curious about the things of God, about whom He is, and about what He can give her. And as you start to read through the story, she perceives that He is a man of God. He says, you know what, you can, I can offer you living water. A water that can sustain you for your whole life. And right there, he engages the one. The same as today. If you don't know him, he seeks you and seeks to meet you where you're at. He engages the one. He is all-inclusive. He's all-inclusive, but He always engages the one. Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. It says, watch what God does. And then you do it. Watch what He does. Then you do it. Discipleship. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with Him and learn a life of love. Observe now, Christ loved us. His love was not, what's that? His love was not self-seeking. His love was not cautious, but Extravagant. How many of us live cautiously when it comes to loving those around us? How many of us live with the walls up when it comes to engaging our world? Jesus was open. He was truthful. He was loving. He was caring. He was a guy that didn't worry about his reputation when it come to the one. 
He was a guy that was all for the one. He loved extravagantly. He was extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like this. Love like this. Oh, but Sam, you don't know what happened to me. Oh, Sam, but you you don't know. Love like this. I think the reason why we can't accept God's love and the reason why we can't move forward is because we can't understand it. Because we start to perceive the love of Christ through the love of this world. It has been tainted by this world. It has been tainted by the relationships and it's been tainted by those things as when we come to God the Father, we see God the Father as though we see a natural father with all their flaws. We need to see a father with pure love, with a holy love, with a love that wants to set us free. And as we can take hold and we can take hold of the love that He has for Allah and we start to see the true love of a father, then too we can amplify that love to all humanity ourselves. But first it comes with us accepting His love. He never concerned about His personal reputation. Jesus never, is never trying to get something from us. He's always trying to get something to us. Salvation to us. Wholeness to us. Peace to us. Victory healing to us tonight he's trying to get something to you living water living water and the last one is this is Jesus brings life he brings life to the sick The sick were healed. The blind could see. The deaf could hear. The demon possessed were set free. Sinners were forgiven. Friend, tonight, Jesus brings life. He brings life for those who believe. He brings life for those who accept Him. He brings life for those that are willing right now tonight he brings healing right now tonight he brings wholeness he brings peace of mind he has all those things stored up for each and every one of us Jesus brought life naturally and spiritually to all those who had faith for all those who had faith he he brought life those that engaged where were your faith will help me with my unbelief The centurion stops Jesus in the street. And Jesus is like, you know what, I'm going to come. Because the centurion stops him and says, you know what, hey, just my servant is sick. And Jesus is like, well, you know, your servant's sick. And And the centurion goes, you know what, you don't need to come. Just say the word. 
He had faith. But who was this centurion? Well, the centurion was a Roman officer. And back then a Roman officer only had one God and that was Caesar. But all of a sudden you've got this guy stopping Jesus in the street saying, you know what, I just, just say the word, just pray and he'll be healed. Jesus marveled and he's like, you know what? Wow, this guy, he's not even a Jew. He's a Gentile. Wow, he has more faith than anyone that I've ever seen. More faith than anyone I've ever seen. Just say the word and he'll be healed. The centurion goes on and he says, you know what? I am a man also under authority. I say to my servant, go, and he goes. I say to my servant, come, and he comes. In other words, you know what, Jesus, I see that you're under authority. I see that there's a higher calling upon your life. So you just actually need to just say the word and my servant will be healed. That day, the servant was healed. That day, a miracle took place because the centurion had faith. Jesus brings life naturally and spiritually to those who have faith. And we get to do that today. Share the gospel of the kingdom. Share eternal life to those who believe. Today, Do you bring life to those around you? Do you bring the same life? Are you willing to include those around your life? Are you willing to share the gospel? Are you willing to step up to the call that God has upon your life, upon our life, upon the church? To open your life so that others can come to know Him. To open open your life to include those around you. To actually see that the one matters. Friend, you matter. My wife's away at the moment. It's party time at my house. It's awesome. Four kids, single dadding it. Yes, they've stayed up late. They've had plenty of ice cream. I've had plenty of ice cream. The chocolate's been everywhere. The health food has been. But what happened? If she gets home tomorrow and I'm like, babe, there they are. And she looks and she's like, there's only three. There's a high possibility. Who knows the one matters? One matters to God. One matters to my wife. Matters. John 10, 9 to 11 says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go 
in and find out and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have life more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. He gave his life for you and I. And he calls us to live in that way. Today, will you give your life to the cause, his cause, to humanity, to connect it back to its creator so that humanity can live in its fullness the way that we were supposed to live in communion with God, relationship with God. Tonight, friend, will you live like that? Will you live like that? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.